Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. It's been Playoff Eliminator weekend and what a weekend it's been. It's been dramatic, great and football has been back. And joining me to mull it over it is, as always, Rob and Dickie. Hi, guys. Hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. Good to speak to you. Yeah, and uh, we've also got um, Adam Virgo here as well, the BT Sport uh, co-commentator. We had its fellow commentator on Adam Summerton last week, but he joins us this week. Hi, Adam. Well, that great this week. <laughs> Brilliant. Just, be- just before we get on, though, guys, Rob and Dickie, I know you've been watching the You've watched most of the games, but you've watched the online streams as well today. Just just tell us what you made of that. I thought it was very good. Uh, I, I think probably my expectations were exceeded. Um, I think uh, certainly from the, the uh, Altrincham-Chester game, although it was one fixed camera position, um, I, I thought they covered it very well. I wasn't expecting to have replays of those, um, you know, the major incidents that happened, and there were major incidents, so we, it was great to have a, a, a second chance to have a look at them. And I thought having the um, uh, a commentator from either side who was involved um, balanced out the commentary really nicely, so no, I thought it was an excellent job. Well worth the 15 quid then, isn't it, Rob? 14 99 mate. Saved a penny. Well, yeah, you get change. But uh, yeah, as Rob mentioned, we've got Charlie Sheringham on and lots of other guests as well, which we'll get to. But first, we'll go back to Friday evening where Bournemouth took on Halifax and, and Rob went along. This is it then. We're back. The National League playoffs, the eliminator stage, the very first one here at uh, Meadow Park. Boreham Wood against FC Halifax Town. And before I say anything else, what an achievement from those two clubs based on their size, budget, etc. To have finished in the top seven and be competing at this stage deserves a huge uh, round of applause. A huge, uh, the, the, the whole NL full-time team, I'm sure, doff their caps to both these sides. It's a bit odd. It's a bit eerie. Um, I personally, in my own work, have been working throughout the pandemic. And believe it or not, tonight is the very first time that I've worn a mask for anything. So it's a little unusual. It's going to be very unusual in a couple of minutes when we go through all the various protocol and the, the bag checks and the health checks and everything else as well. But we're back. Football's back. Wood against FC Halifax Town. Spoken to some of the Halifax directors in the car park. And they're actually quite relieved. You wouldn't think this, but they're quite relieved that they're the away team because of the amount of effort and organisation and administration and protocol that has to be done. Good point. Hadn't thought of it before now. But if you're the club that's just got to turn up with the team and, and take on the opposition, then maybe that's a very uh, a very small advantage. We shall see as the night wears on. And I put my phone away and go through the uh, protocol required. So we passed all the protocols and made it here to Meadow Park, Wood, and I'm joined very briefly before the game. She's a very busy lady by, by Nicole Cox, who's the new uh, communications and media manager here at Wood. What a start for you in the job, Nicole. You must be so excited. Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy start, but I'm just happy that we're back and a good game of football to start it with the playoff eliminator match. And how weird is it, the feeling that this could be the beginning of something, a little three-game mini-tournament that could end in Wembley or it could all be over tonight? I mean, it's exciting. The club deserves it. Every club's worked hard and everyone wants to get to Wembley. Um, I'm just happy that we're all here and can finally watch football again. 
ends at Wembley, then that's great. Well, the best of luck from everybody at the NL Full Time Podcast, and who knows, we might see you again at Wembley. Hopefully. An absolute smattering of applause as you'd expect as the two teams come out. Warren Wood in all white. White shirts, white shorts and white socks. And uh, Halifax in uh, yellow shirts, grey shorts and yellow socks. Bit of a strange and muted atmosphere here at Meadow Park. But at the end of the day, it's the same prize they're playing for. Progression to the semi-final stage of the National League playoffs. Not too many surprises in the starting lineups. Perhaps the most interesting talking point, the fact that Matt Reed, the very experienced Matt Reed, gets the nod up front to play alongside uh, Kabongo Shimanga, while uh, Adi Youssef and Justin Shaibu, quality strikers in their own right, have to settle for a place on the bench. 18 minutes gone. And uh, trouble at the back for Boreham Wood. Jamal Fifield, who just called out his teammate Femi Emma Samley for, for not winning the previous header, did exactly the same himself, missed the header, and show Silver muscled in and tucked the ball home. Boreham Wood nil, Halifax won. I'm joined by the intrepid Ian Abrahams, who uh, loves a bit of football. Yeah, technically almost kind of got a night off tonight, but you still couldn't let it lie and have a night in, could you, Ian? No, I mean, listen, this is my local club, Borenwood, and, and I know Luke Gerrard very well, the manager. So, um, no, absolutely. I mean, followed to Wembley two years ago when I think they were a bit thrown when Tranmere had a man's enough after about 10 seconds. So, uh, they, it was a shame they lost on the day. Um, so, I'm hoping that they might get through tonight, get through Harrogate, and then wherever the final is. Because I think if this club got into the Football League, then that would be an incredible story. You know, we've had some great stories, the old Wimbledon. Uh, from the Southern League you know, this, this season we can get up to the second tier from non-league football but I mean Boreham Wood with the small fan base they have which is unfortunate because of the area I mean everyone's an arsehole Spurs fan around here so um, I think it would be amazing for the club if they got into the Football League and there's still Ian quite a few players in the Boreham Wood squad that were here two years ago obviously the same manager for people like Kane Smith who kind of got injured and was out for the best part of a season at this stage this is a huge opportunity to to put something right, to lay a ghost to rest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anyone two years ago thought they would get to the final. I remember when they went to Sutton um, for the semi-final and, and might have been at West Ham that day, actually. And I was following on Twitter and couldn't believe they got to Wembley. Luke is the top man. As a person and as a manager, I think he's really talented. I mean, you know, I don't want to say it too loudly around here, but... You know, he's, he's a football league manager and there are, um, there are lots of clubs in the football league that I think could do a lot worse than to look at him. Obviously I don't want him to leave Boreham Wood uh, and I don't want to upset Danny Hunter either by, by saying he could. I think that it would be great for him if he could get into the, into the football league. It's his club. And what really stands out to me with you being here, I know it's your local club but you love football through and through, don't you? And uh, it's not, even though you do get to brush shoulders with, with some of the elite in the game, you still love to keep it real at this level as well. Yeah, this is proper football. I mean, it's great to go to the Premier League games and Champions League games and, you know, European Championships and World Cups. You know, lucky enough to have been to a lot of those sort of tournaments. And, yeah, you know, you see the players that are coming through and you get to know them and what have you. But this is where proper football is. You know, when we allow fans back in, you know they're they're right next to the pitch after the game 
win or lose, the players go over and say hello to the fans. Great stuff, Ian. Lovely to talk to you as always. And uh, whoever's in the final, we'll see you at Wembley. Hopefully. Dave Richardson from the non-league paper. Dave, tight game. Not an awful lot in it until the goal, but Halifax at half-time looked quite comfortable with their lead. Yeah, they do. I think Bourne would have found it very difficult up against the, the three Halifax centre-halves. I think Nathan Clark and Matty Brown um, have really been showing their experience really um, and, and all the games that they've played in their career um, and Halifax just look like they have a bit more fluency than, than Boreham would going forward a bit sharper, a uh, bit quicker to the ball um, the, the back three of Boreham would have, have really struggled in my opinion um, they don't look comfortable that they're up against uh, Allen and Show Silver who, who got the goal um, and they'll be really disappointed with the goal that they conceded it was just a long straight kick forward or wasn't it one of those routine Sunday league goals really as you, you, you would probably describe it as um, and Show, Show Silver pounced and, and, and turned it in and, and really from there Boreham would have, have struggled and, and Halifax a good value for their lead really and, and could well be further ahead but for a, a good a really good Grant Smith save just before um, before half time there something for Luke Garrard to think about at half time he's got some he's got some weapons at his disposal hasn't he he's gone with the experienced Matt Reed up front probably wanted to win the battles early on to make way for perhaps a little bit more football later but he may have to shuffle his pack sooner rather than later with the likes of uh, Shaibu on the bench um, and also uh, Adi Youssef yeah spot on I think he will definitely be considering changing something I think I think he probably needs to it hasn't really worked has it with, with Reed? he's got obviously the, the two up front alongside him with Teshiranga and, and, and Marsh but it just hasn't clicked and I think maybe if you if you get someone more comfortable perhaps I think it's the right word with the ball at his feet like Yusuf or Shobu up front um, it, it could work a little bit better um, I, I think he really will be considering changing something at half time or if not very soon into the second half How good is it Dave after months and months and months of keeping the non-league paper going with no football to actually have some to write about yeah, it's a nice um, reward, perhaps. I don't know if that's the right, the right phrase. But, um, yeah, after 17 weeks without matches and, and lots of features and interviews, and obviously we're very grateful for players, managers and clubs um, picking up the phone and, and answering our calls. Um, it is nice, finally, to, to get out of the house, really, and, and, and watch the match or football. Um, yeah, and what a nice evening to do it on as well. Sun shining here. We're all in. We're all in t-shirts and, and and shorts as well. Obviously, the the one great shame of it all, and and the reason why we are here in uh, July now is is that of course uh, there are no fans here because of uh, everything that has gone on in the last few months. So um, a, a big shame from from that point of view. Um, but yeah, I guess personally. Uh, it's nice to to be one of the lucky few that's here watching watching the game tonight. I'm joined by FC Halifax Town Manager Pete Wilde. Pete, it, things looked really promising uh, first half. Your, your side looked very relaxed. You got that lead. But sadly, it turned around for Wood in the second half. What's your overall reaction at the moment? Um, yeah, I thought for, 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 40, for 50 minutes we were excellent. Um, we then just had a lull and we ran out a bit of a bit of steam. So, unfortunately, his race was run. He put so much into the first half. His race was run by that point, which is disappointing. But... Um, the lads give us everything they've got and we've been beat, beat off uh, a deflected goal on a set piece which is, is really disappointing 
but they've got to look at it as a whole and, and think that we've had a great season the lads have been fantastic we've punched well above our weight and it gives us a massive platform to move this club forward it was an uh, incredible achievement to, to get in seventh place, if you don't mind me saying, FC Halifax Town, really, really good. And I guess everybody will naturally think back to that save just before half-time, absolutely flying in the corner, and a great save from Grant Smith, 2-0, and it could have been a different story. Yeah, we scored that, obviously 2-0 is a different game, but it but some maybes. The facts are they won uh, and they got the rub of the green second half and, and fair play to them and I wish them all the best. All the very best to you as well, thank you. Been joined by Borehamwood manager Luke Garrard. Luke, you kept calm at half-time, you didn't make changes, you, you believed in the players you had out there and they turned it around for you. What's your reaction at the moment? Yeah, that, that, I've got to be honest, Halifax, credit to them, they come here, I thought we started okay first half, I thought we had the ascendancy and they they got right on top, they, they went and punished us, they got on the front foot, we was a little bit reactive as opposed to proactive i felt that we was waiting for things to happen people in key areas weren't at the races and it's in the first uh, the halftime team tour it was very much about staying in the game don't concede a second because they could have easily had the goal with toby show silver grants made a worldie then they could have had the um, opportunity from the free kick but i thought the second half we were very very well deserved of a win i felt that we was on the front foot we went and stuck it right on them didn't allow them to play out so Game of two halves. Unfortunately for us, we were we were on the side of winning. And if somebody had written a script, it probably would have been come from behind to win with Kane Smith laying a ghost to rest from two years ago and Matt Reid getting his first goal. Listen, I love Kane because he, he, he didn't experience the playoffs the, the two years ago going at Wembley. He's um, done his ACL and this year now, I want him to take it all in. He's a young kid. He's come from non-league in terms of hitching. Um, yeah, great, great strike. Um... Kieran Murta could have had the goal from, from one of the corners. And then Reedy's come on the money. I think the ball in from Sorba Thomas was a goal ball. And he's connected with an unbelievable header. And he's fortunate enough for us to win a game of football. Now, at the moment, of course, you're delighted to have got through this stage. Tough nut to crack next week up at Harrogate. Uh, and Simon Weaver's men will be well drilled and ready for you. They're outstanding. Um, I think they're a very, very good team. They were... Very worthy of being second and chasing down Barrow and having the luxury of playing them on their home pitch and not being able to finish the season because of curtailment. Yeah, they're going to be a good, good test. We've got eight days. That's the best thing. That's the blessing. I have to say that the original plan with the National League was to play the 21st in the 25th. That's a, that's a quick turnaround. To have the luxury of playing on the 17th um, and then now playing on the 25th is... Um, is a nice reward for us to get some tired legs, tired bodies. But we go there, positive, um, to ensure that we we yeah we try and get a performance out of the lads to try and get to Wimbledon. All the very best. Well done You're today. We'll see you up at Harrogate. I'm joined by Boreham Woods, Kane Smith. And uh, I think the script writers were at work tonight, Kane, weren't they? Um, two years ago, uh, well, just over really because we're delayed here with the playoffs. But two years ago, uh, a miserable injury, cruciate injury. Mm-hmm that might have finished your career. You've come back, it took a little while, and tonight, did you lay a little ghost to rest? Yeah, definitely. As a, yeah, like you say, two years ago, uh, not my best uh, time in football, but now we come back stronger. Credit to Borenwood and every staff, chairman and manager, and obviously the physios at the time, but my family as well, and I'm glad. It's just it's more important for them as well. Like To score in a big game like that, and after the first half we had, it was something that uh, we really needed and uh, I'm just yeah, over the moon for everyone. I think it's well documented that it wasn't the greatest first half from your side but uh, 
you really personally grew into the game's second half. You looked like you were really relishing uh, the moment. Yeah, definitely. We, we know that ourselves, that uh, that was not us first half. We didn't, didn't get out of the blocks. And fair play to Halifax, they took their chance and went one the up. But we knew if we got into the game and played our football like we have done for the, the season, we'd definitely get back in and win the game. So, yeah, I thought we'd done that really well and uh, showed what character we got on our side. A little bit of a tale of two Smiths tonight, wasn't it? Because uh, I don't know whereabouts you were on the pitch when Show Silver let fly for a second time. Yeah. That was one heck of a save. Fair credit to him. He's a great, great striker of the ball, but we know Grant has got that. That's why he's back in the building. He's a great shot stopper. And obviously, Ashmore out through suspension. Grant, he stepped up. And to be honest, if that goes in, who knows, might not be able to get back in the game. But it's an unbelievable stop and shows what incredible goalkeeper he is people talk about team spirit in football and uh, it's great when you're winning it re- when it really matters is when you're down you're up against it and uh, you know as you say at, at times there was a bit of confusion at the back in the first half one of those moments led to a goal um, just how important is it that as professionals you stay calm you stay in the game and you wait for your opportunity which you got yeah definitely we know that we've been working on that in training and the boys have been excellent we'll see laps of concentrations let them go and score but we've got so much in this squad like the ability we've got not just as individuals but as a team as well we've definitely we showed that tonight especially in the second half just get round each other and I think yeah it really paid off second half when we started moving the ball and getting at them and I think they sort of uh didn't really take their chance second half. We limited them to a lot of chances, but I think we took ours well. And uh, yeah, Reedy with second goal was great header, great ball from Swarbrick as well. So a decent 45 minutes tonight that you made it count. Is it fair to say you're probably going to need a good 90 next week to get any chance at Harrogate? Yeah, 100%. We know what Harrogate's about. If, like we, all the boys said, if we play like that the first half against and next week, we're out, we're out of the game straight away. But we will put that to bed. We'll work on it. We'll go over it. But I think, yeah, we. I think the 90s helped us massively. Obviously, they haven't played a game, we've had an extra game. I think it's going to help us in, in the long run. So, fingers crossed we can uh, play as we did the second half for 90 next week. Football can be a cruel game, but just now and again, it turns up some wonderful moments. I'm, I'm really, really pleased for you tonight. Congratulations and good luck in the Thank rest you. of the playoffs. Thank you very much. All the best. Cheers, Cheers. mate. And that was Rob at Boreham Wood in the end. And, and what a night out he had. And, what a night turned out for Boreham Wood as well, Adam. They had to come from behind. I mean, I saw the first half and they were, they were pretty awful. Halifax were really good, but Boreham Wood turned it round in the end. Yeah, they, they they did. I thought second half, I thought they were excellent. I felt first half, I, I said on commentary that you sometimes have to give credit to the away side that kind of stopped them playing a little bit. And the way that Pete set up his sides, you know, with Allen and Show Silver and King, the three main players to play on the counter-attack, um, I thought they stifled Boreham Wood in that midfield area and, and really stopped them playing. And... Even defensively, when you've got Matt Reed as an outball, they, they weren't really finding him at all. So it was one of those first half where I thought they deserved the leads. But then, you know, Luke was talking about the experience in his squad and the quality that he's got now. Um, he actually said his squad was a better all-round this season than what it was two years ago when they lost to Tranmere. And you, you saw that second half and you saw that experience come through. I thought, uh, Thomas on the left-hand side, who I gave man of the match to, was was superb. Um, good, good one-on-one battle uh, with Duckworth in those areas, and um, and I think in the end that they deserved the the win to go through. But Halifax made it difficult for them, and it was almost a game of two halves. And in terms of the first half to Halifax, second half to Boreham Woods, but Boreham Woods just had a little bit more firepower and um, and got that win. Uh, Adam, I heard you mention about the Boreham Wood squad and I know you compared it to Gary Wallach's older chat a couple of years ago just, just tell us a bit more about uh, what you thinking behind that was I, I just thought that when you when you actually look at Gary's team a few years ago it's almost like when you pick those players out 
I would say nine, nine out of the ten could get in most National League squads, you know, most National League sides where they need that position. You know, Alexandra right back, Reynolds, um, you know, Kellerman went up to Scotland. You know, even Scott Rendell can fit in certain teams in the National League. And when Gary lost all of those players, you kind of saw what happened, you know, when Evans went off to Chesterfield. And it's kind of like that with the Boar and Wood squad in terms of, are they that football league players? Probably some of them are. But the majority of them, if you if you look at them, you know, who wouldn't take Shamanga in their side? I think most people would. Um, you know, Kane Smith right back. I said he's a football league player. He'll get him. So, you know, you look at their their players, you know, Ashmore and Smith, he's got two good goalkeepers. So I was just looking at the the standard that they were at. And, you know, I could probably mention Solihull last year as well, that for that National League standard and that National League squads, I guarantee most managers in those National Leagues will take one of those players from, from Boreham Wood. And that's the kind of resemblances that I was just trying to make, that a small squad as well. So they can't afford to have too many injuries and too many suspensions. And they've almost kind of got away with that. And that, and that was why I was trying to make the comparison with, with all the shot over you know a couple of years ago. Just the final point on that first game, um, Adam. What a predicament. What a lovely predicament. Uh, Luke Garrard's got in goal. Um, you know, Nathan Ashmore, widely considered to be one of the best goalkeepers in the National League. But he's got Smith back. He came in, he did a job. He was kind of one of three players that could have been partially blamed for the Halifax goal. But uh, a nice predicament to be in for who he picks in goal next weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, that's what I was talking about. Not the biggest of squads, but the strength in depth to a certain extent of, of him looking at his bench to, to make the changes. I think Nathan will come back in, I think, because Nathan has played more games. And I thought two years ago, Grant was the best goalkeeper in the National League, um, but then went on to, to Lincoln. And it hasn't quite worked out for him. So um, I just think, even though there's been lack of game time for, for everybody, um, I think Nathan will, will be Luke's number one. And you know, I did put down the mistake for, for the goal that you know, Grant maybe could have been a little bit braver with the punch going in there. But listen, it's, it's a great predicament to, for, for Luke to have in that situation because when you go away from home and you go to Harrogate, you need your goalkeeper to have a good game. I remember Jay Lynch last year in, um, in goal for Solihull was magnificent against Files. That kept them in the game for, for long periods of that time. So when you go away from home in those semi-finals, you need your goalkeeper to have his A game. And it's whoever he can trust more. And whoever plays that they will need to be good. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a mouth-watering game next Saturday. Harrogate gets Bournemouth on that 3G pitch. Both teams like to get it down and play. Uh, hopefully we'll be there. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm sure you are, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I even texted Adam Summerton today and just said, actually, when you look at these two games on paper, they're, they're, they're mouth-watering games. And, you know, you could have maybe added Yeovil in there, but I, I don't know why. There's just something about this Barnet side that I can't put my finger on, you know, Fongert's going to probably be back. Courthurst is going to be back. You know, he had a few injuries just before the last game. I know we're going to talk about that, but I can't call it now. I, I really can't call it. And as much as I've been impressed with what Halifax have done, for a neutral, for me, these are the best teams now going into it. And it's, um, it, it's a really, really good tie on paper. I saw last year that the, the weight of game for Salford and for Solihull, one worked and one didn't. I don't know. Is, is an extra 90 minutes in this break going to be better for you? Time will tell. And obviously the eight day, seven, eight days to recover is big difference to the format, how it was actually designed. The, the, the poetry for me about the Harrogate and the um, Boreham Wood game next week is it means that 
there will be at least one team in the final at Wembley now who has not previously been in the Football League. And, uh, you know, talking to one or two people at Borehamwood on uh, on Friday night, I think there's a, you know, there's always the lovely comeback stories for those sides that have been in the league and dropped down and get back up there again. But for clubs like Harrogate and Borehamwood, both very, very different stories for one of those two clubs to make it to the promised land would be an amazing story. Yeah, the other, because the other, uh, the other semi-final is Notts County against Barnet, two former football league clubs. And Barnet, whoa, <laughs> it, was a, it was a strange game, wasn't it, Adam? Because Yeovil were dominant, they had loads of chances, but you've got to give credit to Barnet. They defended brilliantly and they were clinical. Yeah, I, I even said on commentary, even Dick Turpin wore a mask. Yeah. It, was, it, it was daylight robbery, it really yeah. was. I mean, I think for Darren Styles, you'd feel sick as a parrot after that game because, let's be honest, Yeovil deserved to go through. They created the better chances. You're talking about goal line clearances from Harry Taylor and Santos, the one we couldn't tell whether it went over the line or not. Elliot Johnson's, well, control that ended up hitting the post and playing a one-two with the post. And um, mm. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, Darren's side dug in really deep. And I think if they would have defended like that for the majority of the season, I think we'd have seen them a lot higher up the table. And I mentioned when, when Paul got his goal, it's like good strikers need one chance sometimes when they haven't really had opportunities in the game. And they, I think him and I got caught in midfield. Um, Mason Clark made the run through and, and Paul just finished and that was the only real chance that he had and that's why you pay decent money for good players. Paul's a very, very good National League player. I'd love to see what he could do in League Two. I'd, I'd see what he would do in League One but I think League Two he would be comfortable. Um, but that, that's football sometimes. If you don't take your chances against a good counter-attacking side in Barnet, then mm. you could pay for it and, and, and that's in the end what happened. Do I think Barnet deserved to go through on that performance? Probably not. I think Yeovil did. But the playoffs are sometimes cruel sometimes. And, um, you know, sad for my former club, but my former teammate, Darren Curry, um, I'm really, really pleased for him because um, he, he's assembled a decent squad there. He's lost key players. He lost three key players before the game. He lost Sweeney. He lost Reynolds. He lost Alexander. He's um, lost Sparks. And he still pulled out a performance. So, so fair play to him. Yeah, we mentioned that last week, Rob, didn't we, about those four players going and uh, they're always difficult to score against. They had too many draws, which is why they went up there um, yeah, at the end um, of the season. I, I've got to be honest, I put the question out there last week, didn't I, that I was really concerned to have lost three of those four players. I mean, Sweeney can play midfield and he often did, but uh, three of those players out of de- out of the defence, I wondered if it'd be too much. And uh, um, yeah, absolute credit to young Taylor and particularly, particularly to who I agreed with the man of the match in, in Santos. Um, and uh, I mean, this is where they probably, they cannot afford for one of those two to pick up an injury now, can they, without the other boys? But uh, brilliant. Cometh, uh, cometh the moment, cometh the, the men, really. Um, they were superb. And, uh, and, and, and that's exactly what Darren Curry hoped for and needed on the day. Yeah, and Mauro Villetti got the second goal in that game. And, and we caught up with him earlier. To, uh, we pulled him out of a family party to have a chat with him about that game. So, Barnett got through in the end by two goals to nil after an onslaught against, uh, after Yeovil provided an onslaught, but Barnett managed to get through in the end. And the scorer of the vital second goal joins us on the line now. It's it's Mauro Villette. Hiya, Mauro. Hi, how are you? Not as good as you, I imagine. I mean, uh, that was some game yesterday, wasn't it? Indeed, it was. 
Um, credit to Yeovil, though. They had their game plan and executed it pretty well. Just needed the finishing touches, and to be fair, we were we managed to dig deep and defend very well ourselves, so credit to ourselves, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, that was a big thing, wasn't it? You were you were clinical. You over had so many chances, but you defended so well. Maybe rolled your luck a little bit, but you weren't that luck, and, and you were clinical. Yeah, Mauro, um, all the, all, everything pointing yesterday pointed towards it being a very, very tough afternoon for Barnett. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think within the camp, you made light of the fact that you've lost four really, really good quality players. You've got almost 100 appearances between them this season, in the majority of them, out of the heart of your defence. And you even lost, in the build-up, you lost um, two more players, didn't you? Uh, Coulthurst and uh, your top scorer, Akinola. I bet you must have wondered, coming in, if the gods were against you, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, the two that come out uh, later on, come out this year on Thursday. So, started picking up slight niggles on Thursday which is kind of a little bit of a blow. Um, the other four that you mentioned, yeah, they're a real big... It was a, a big blow knowing that they weren't coming back, but at the end of the day, we just knew that we just have to get on with it, no matter what happens. And even then, even though they're not there, we have to do it for ourselves. And dig deep and carry on pushing it. We still got a very good enough, uh, a good enough squad anyway, so we just always believed in ourselves. That's the main thing. No, I was just going to say, talk us through your goal, Maro. I mean, there was a, if VAR had been involved, it may well have been chopped off, might it? We went on the counter, great ball in by Medi. Maybe I should have got the first touch on it from the cross, uh, but I just about missed it. Um, I think their centre-back kicked it. But as he kicked it, I didn't, I didn't even know the ball. I didn't see the ball after that. Obviously, I went for a diving header. I felt it hit my hand, but I don't really think, well, I know that I didn't know where the ball was going or anything, mm. and then all of a sudden I just see it hit the post, the crossbar, and it's just come out to me. And when I looked at the replays yesterday, I was pissing myself with laughter because the way I bloody lifted up my neck to header it back into the roof of the net. Found yeah, it was... funny, but I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take that next week. I'll take that in the final. The goal yeah. to make sure get promoted. That's all that matters. Is that is that the most bizarre goal you've ever scored, Maro? One hundred percent. It was almost like you know, one, one, yeah. It's almost like one of those goals you score when you're messing about with your mates and you take it around the keeper and there's no one there and you and you uh, not and even you then you you score something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was real bizarre. But as I said, I'll take it. And if that happens again next week, I'll be more than happy. So and when, yeah, and when you. You look at certain clubs, there's certain players that stand out and you and you kind of see the name and you think, wow, they've been there a long time. Are you the longest serving player at Barnet? Um, yeah, to this moment, no, I'm pretty sure I am. Elliot Johnson. Yeah, I think he joined a year after I joined. It was 11 years, he said, on the, on the TV. He said it was 11 years. You were, but I think you were Barnley five minutes yeah, from the ground and I, things like that. So you barn it through and through almost, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I was literally lived like Barnet, Barnet, our old football ground, Monday Hill, was literally two minutes away from my door, doorstep. So, yeah, I've lived in and around Barnet pretty much all my life. Um, and yeah, when I saw, yeah, it's been 11 years now, I signed in 2009. 
Amazing stuff. So, so on to Notts County. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of a venue to go play a semi-final, it, it would be fit for a final, wouldn't it? But you're going to have a, in, a hard task against Notts County. You were in great form when the season ended, but that, that form's now out the window, isn't it? It means nothing. Indeed it will. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing against them. I, have, I haven't played against them this year. So myself personally, but so it'll be it'll be good to get on the pitch and play against them and see what they like. And as you said about form, so at at the moment, after four year four months off, it's it's all about who turns up and who's re- fully prepared for the game. Really, it's the form stuff's all gone out the window now. And I bet not too far, of course, from Barnet, but I bet you'd happily walk to Wembley just for the chance to play there, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. 100%. And even Wembley is not too far from my house. So I'll, I'll tell you that as well. I was going to say, you've um, the, the mood in the camp must be high because you've had promotions and relegations out of Barnet. But mm-hmm. do, you have, do, do you have that feeling that you can go all the way? 100%. Um, I don't think... We're just, with our team, I've, we've never actually really doubted that. We've always believed that we can get promoted. It was just a matter of keeping uh, con- do it, p- playing consistently and to be fair near the end before current, um, this coronavirus we were starting to pick up well we were very consistent so it's just a matter of obviously now that form's really gone because of the four months off but after yesterday especially we didn't really turn up we want to play and we didn't really play football but we still managed to keep a clean sheet and win the game so yeah, we're we're definitely confident we can go all the way. Nice one, Will Marrow. We'll uh, we'll let you go. We know you're at a party, so we'll let you get back to that. <laughs> and um, thank you very much. Good luck in the semi final. We may well see you there and at the final as well. One hundred percent. Thank Cheers. you for that. And that was Marrow Vallette, and uh, it was a bit of a fortunate goal, Adam. I think I put it, I put it to him in the interview. If I was involved, and I think you mentioned it in the comments, it probably would have been disallowed, wouldn't it? But it all count in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I didn't see it at the time in terms of, you know, how quickly the goal happened. And I saw Dickinson head it against, it seemed like he just went straight against the post. And in fairness, it was a good reaction from him on the line um, to, to, to head that one in. But you can't blame the referee for that. I thought the referee, you know, I thought you know, the officials, you know, refereed the game fairly well. Um, but they're, they're always, always problems on the break. And I think for Darren this season, I think they've had chances in the final third and not taken them. And then defensively, they just had that little slip that's either led to a, a draw or a loss. And um, you know, I, I, and the thing is, you know, he's lost Jack Taylor as well, who I, you know, mm. quite said he's arguably been the best National League player for for a couple of seasons now, and he's gone on to Peterborough and, and done very very well. Working with the chairman, I know Barnet can be difficult sometimes, very demanding, and 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 Darren plays a certain style of football. He wants to get the ball down to play, and you know, a bit like Ian at Bar- Barrow. And that's not easy to do sometimes with, with National League players. No disrespect to them. But Darren still believes in his principles. You go into a game with these expectations of how you want to play and this is what you want to do. And, and it seemed like in that first half, it just wasn't happening for Barnett. So what's the next thing you can do? It's be difficult to beat. Win your headers. I thought, you know, defending the long throw from, from Yeovil, they defended very, very well. I thought they defended set plays well. And all of a sudden, you need that other side of your game where you need to dig in deep and just find a win from anywhere. I thought at half-time it was going to penalties. I didn't see a good second half coming, but in fairness, we got one. Um, and 
listen, we saw what happened with Eastleigh last year, that they were not favourites at all. Great result at Wrexham, got away with that one, but then unfortunately lost on penalties to Salford when, again, they maybe should have won that game. So it, it's a great time. It's, it's a great time of year. I know all the shot, Rob, we've seen in the past, you know, those two penalties against Ebbsfleet a couple of years ago when they could have gone through. We do all these games during the season and they're great, but for some reason in the playoffs, it just kind of adds to the excitement and, and the expectation, which um, can be harsh on sides, but for a neutral like myself, you know, it's great. Just a quick one then on the uh, Notts County against Barnet game. Obviously, we we yet to see, we can't predict in what sort of shape Notts County are going to come out. They've certainly been indifferent in their warm-up matches, which they say were all about giving the players minutes, but they did lose and concede six goals in the two games to clubs from a lower level. They do have the weapons up front, Notts County, to punish Barnet if they're not on their game, don't they? Particularly with, uh, he's escaping my name right now. Dickie, let me bring you in. Who's the, who's the lad that they signed on the wing at Notts County? I love Callum Roberts. Callum Roberts is absolute quality. He's one of probably 10 players I could write a list of now, like you just said about uh, McCallum, that, that, that could and probably should be playing in the EFL. Uh, and obviously, Kristen Dennis was in good form before the end of the season, Baldwin. Um, they've got the firepower, they've got the weapons, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think they've got the best squad, to be honest. I think that I think Neil's done a magnificent job. I remember you know, listening to him at the start of the season, he was talking about even the changes when you have a seven in the football league to five, um, not going with a goalkeeper on the bench. And I always say with relegated sides, like you go from losing every single week, the chairman, season before, tweeting all sorts of things, and you know, some that probably shouldn't have been seen to others. You know, it's, it's just... It was just a mess. And for him to have turned that, I think they maybe could have gone on and won the league. You know, they, they were in decent form going into yeah. into into the break. So, this, this, you know, these are games, I, I wouldn't look too much into the friendlies. I think, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I've, I've played pre-season games where we've lost every game and we've won the first game of the season. And I've done pre-season games where we've won every game and we've lost the first three, so that's that's just football in a, in a nutshell in terms of in terms of preseason. I think you know the home crowd have been a big influence on on the side, which I think will be interesting to see how they react. But then I go back: is the extra ninety minutes at a more intense level? Is that going to suit Borenwood and Barnet more than the two teams they're coming up against, or is just that extra week's break um, going to be more beneficial? I don't know. And that's, and that's going to make it really, really exciting. But on paper, I, I, I can't call these two games. It, it is really, really going to be that close. You can have stipulations for all four of these teams to be winning the, winning the, the promotion final. And I think that's a testament to the league. I think it's a testament to how far the league has come now. What's impressed me about Notts County, Adam, is they have quite, quite a bit of the squad that was in League Two and We've seen it before where it bounces, they bounce down, they're in that losing habit. And because the League Two players, they think, don't really fancy it at this level. But they've knuckled down, haven't they? Like you say, Enzo Balderwine was really good in League Two last year and he, he's, he's ripped up the National League this year. Yeah, and, that's, and that, that, that comes down to the managers. You look at Hartlepool that have come down, you look at Chesterfield that's come down. Um, it's very, very easy for sides to go through the motions and automatically think that they're going to go back at the first time of asking. I think only Cheltenham and Rovers have done it in the last 12, 15 mm. years. So um, it, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think what's made a bigger difference is that the teams now getting promoted from North and South 
are good teams now. And they, you know, they are adequate enough to stay in this division. I know Chorley was a part-time side, but you look at Eastley over the years, you look at Fylde that have come in and, and been into the playoffs. So I think the teams that are coming up now are suitably better and stronger. That, that certainly, it's almost different to the Premier League when the championship sides come up, they're automatically done for relegation, where I don't think it's like that in the National League. I think that teams that come up can actually have a decent season. So I think that's where teams coming down, you've almost got six teams coming, you know, six new teams in, that, in the league, which um, that, that can find it exciting and good, but then find it very, very difficult. Just one more question on Barnet for me then, Adam. You mentioned about, the, obviously, the Football League playoffs. I see a bit of a bit of Wickham in Barnet. You know, they weren't in the playoffs when the season finished. They got in because of PPG, kind of used it, used it to their advantage. And uh, could they do a Wickham, Barnet? Yeah, I, th- I think Adam, Adam Samson summed it up brilliantly. You just think sometimes your name's written on the trophy, mm. and 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 that's the way football goes sometimes. And you, you look back at those chances against Yeovil; it was incredible in terms of the chances that they had and the chances that they missed and the ones that were cleared off the line. And just sometimes, and I've been in those dressing rooms, I've won league titles and I've been relegated. And the times I've been relegated, I've had no luck. And the times I won the league title, the ball seems to go inside the goal and. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's the one thing, well, it's two things I can't explain in football. One, why a team never wins at a certain ground for 50 years. <laughs> and the other thing is, when you're at the bottom, you get no luck at all. I don't understand why. And when you're at the top of the league, it always tends to fall right for you. So um, it could be written in the stars for Darren, um, but it's going to be a tough, tough game for them. But a really, really exciting one. So let's move on now and look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. The National League North Playoff Eliminators, what what a day it was. I, I headed down to Moss Lane for the early kickoff between Oldgham and Chester. But before we before the, the build-up to the Oldgham Chester game, me and Chris caught up with the Chester manager, Anthony Johnson, earlier in the week. We've got Chester manager, joint manager, actually, Anthony Johnson. Tell us about the, your squad at the moment. How have they shaped during lockdown? Have you been in touch with them? Doing, been doing much training? Yeah. We went back in last Tuesday, so I think it gave us 12 days preparation um, for, for the Alter game. Obviously, it's been well publicised that that we there was you know there was a bit of to and from in with with whether we were going to participate in terms of funding and, and, and that type of thing. And in, in the meantime, um, we we had to keep on top of the lads in, in terms of doing their own thing. Um, we've lost three or four players moving on to different clubs or for, for various different reasons. So the squad will be a little bit different to, to the one that, that finished back in March, whatever it was. Uh, but in terms of, of physical preparation and stuff like that, the, the lads have really looked after themselves. Uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Chris Jones, uh, put a programme together for them lads. Like a lot of the, the, the clubs do from top to bottom to keep them in some sort of shape with not knowing when it's going to come back. Um, and then they logged in all the data of, of, of what they'd done onto an app where we could see what they'd been doing. As I said, we came back in last Tuesday for, for the first test and, and I can't pay the lads enough credit for in, in terms of um, you know how, how they look physically. Well, I was going to say, because that must give you a head start then because you can focus on the ball skills, you can focus on a few tactical things and what have you without having to worry about getting up and running with, uh, well, with the sprinting and the, the fitness sort of stuff. Well, generally, you, you, you'd have a six-week pre-season. You know, once 
we know when next season starts. The majority comes on six weeks to prepare. That's been happening since you know I've been involved in football. Um, you, you would imagine physiologically that's that's the correct way of doing things. We're, we're coming in with ten days prep to the Ulta game. You know, like every other club, some of that two weeks, some of that three weeks, but it's still not ideal. We're all in similar boats. But it just shows that in this day and age, the modern day football and the way they look after themselves allows them to uh, come back in to, to, to this, call it a pre-season if you will, but, but um, a pre-playoff training camp, if you want to call it that, in a, in a great shape. And as you say, it allows us to go straight into the football stuff rather than worrying too much about the fitness the fitness side of things. And looking ahead to the game on, on Sunday, what what you thought it's gonna be a tricky tie? I think um, if you look at if you look at the league table, we finished three points behind them with a game in hand. We had a game in hand. We played them three times this year. Drew with them one all at home. Drew them one all at home in the FA Cup. Went to their place, lost one nil but we had a goal disallowed uh, towards the end. They, they couldn't be tight at games. So in every every way you look at it you know, often you can look at the playoffs and third place finish 15 points above six or, or, or whatever. Where us and Ulti have been neck and neck all season. Games have been so tight. They've got players who've who've played for me and Burn in the past and players that have played for Chester. We've got players that have played for Ulti. We've been up against each other for years. Uh, so there's a lot of ingredients there that, that you'd love to see on you know live on TV as, as, as the final. Uh, two really good teams that, that, that probably complement um, the way each other plays. And I think two two clubs that respect each other a lot in terms of the football uh, side of things. So I said recently that um, I think it's probably the toughest game to have. Um, whether that would be the same without supporters in there is going to feel like a training game. Let's not pretend. You know, the, the teams thrive off atmosphere. Can you do it? Can you go up? Well, we'll talk about the hard way. We've not beat a team in, in the playoffs this season. So, um, you know, the Omens aren't particularly great for us but we've been away at Boston and drawn we've we've played away against them on a Tuesday night and then followed it up away at York on a Saturday so we were on the coach for about 18 hours in three days uh, so we, we, we have had it quite tough but we also beat Kings Lynn and, and, and drew with Kings Lynn away so, so we've done things that other clubs haven't done um, in terms of, 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 of experiences that me and Byrne have had in the playoffs we've won two of them we've, we've faced all different kinds of emotions through the playoffs but the playoffs are, you know, even in the normal season, the playoffs are a totally different animal to, to the normal to, to what normally happens. You know, you can get something wrong at the beginning of the season, but you've got 41 games to put it right. You've got 90. We know we've got 90 minutes, not 120. We've got 90 minutes um, to eliminate mistakes and, and and to to put plans into place that that, as I said, hopefully wins the game. It's going to be tough, but the the, the lads are jumping at the bit. Me and Byrne are so excited. You know, you hit this week of playoffs, and generally there's, there's bits of trepidation, but I think we're just full of full of excitement and, and no matter what happens what the club have gone through over the last two or three months and garnering the, 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 the momentum that we have will stand us in good stead going forward anyway I was going to say you've got the uh, the goalkeeper situation finally sorted <laughs> out now haven't you yeah so so Louis was on loan but because he finished the, se- the he finished this season before lockdown with us yeah. there was special dispensation that he could come back with us I think also had a similar thing with with the boy from Cruz on loan as well, um, so so we've been quite lucky with that. Um, we've also got John Wurznop, who's our goalkeeping coach, that, that that would have doubled up as as, as the goalkeeper um, had that not gone through. So yeah, it was a, it, we have got it, we have got it sorted, but it was a play that was was on our books last season anyway. So we haven't we haven't gone and signed a player outside of what was already with us. Thanks for your time. One of us is hoping to be there on uh, on Sunday. Whether we can get in or not is a different uh, is a different matter. So. Uh... 
good luck and yeah hope to speak to you afterwards if we can cheers boys hopefully see you on the uh, top of the cherry picker looking over the wall if nothing else <laughs> so as you heard from Anthony Johnson there we're not actually going to be in the cherry picker above the ground I'm going to be in the ground watching the game and as Rob said earlier, it's just I'm so excited. You know, it feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel finally, and we're actually here watching live football. The sun is shining. Just walking into the ground now. I've got my health questionnaire with me. I've got my mask on the edge of my chin, ready to put on. Go through all the, uh, the testing protocols now. Good morning, sir. Morning. How are you? You got your form? You got your form? Yeah. You're coming back to us, going to be calm. Okay, no problem, sir. Do you want to see me, sir? Set his temperature and sanitise you. Morning, sir. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Perfect. And then we'll just sanitise your hands. Sure. There you go. And then we'll just get a badge from the following gear here. Are we on the media, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yep. Just do us a favour, just make sure it's visible at all times for me. No worries. Thank you. So there we are, we're in. This is. That's a one off. One off, yeah. And this is. So, obviously the red zone is where the players and officials go. We're going to be in the main stand in a designated seat. As you can hear, I've got my mask on now. Stood here with Nigel Bunce, he's been, he's the official, he's been a part of the COVID officer at Altrincham. He's got his own badge with COVID officer on it, he's just showing it to me now. And uh, yeah, Nigel, it's, um, we're still here with our masks on and... Just tell, I suppose it's been like a full-time job the last couple of weeks, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it has. I mean, I was really lucky that I had last week off from work. It's just something I pre-planned, and basically all that week's leave was just burnt on you trying to get all the paperwork sorted out for this game. Um, yeah, it's been really, really stressful. Just tell us what exactly you've had to sort of do without going into loads of detail, okay, right. but well, the guidance you've had and yeah, things like that. Right, so, so the league has been really prescriptive of what they've wanted to do at each stage. So at each stage, three stages, stage one, stage two, stage three, they've wanted paperwork for all those stages and they've had to approve the paperwork. And the biggest document was the match day protocol, which was, you know, 30, 40 pages, A4 long. It was a nightmare. Uh, so in, in terms of how long has it taken to put everything to get together and get everyone sorted and work out where everyone's going to go is, has it been the full two weeks uh, it feels like it yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a struggle this week trying to fit, fit my full time job into what I've got to do around here yeah I suppose the good thing is if you win you're away from home in the next round and then yeah. away from home in the final so you've only well, got this well, one game in a sense well, there is a scenario that if we, if we keep winning and Gateshead keep winning, we play Gateshead in the final. But when we looked at the paperwork and the, the chested chairman was quite candid with me and he said, I'd be so glad we finished beneath you. And I think, you know, in all honesty, the amount of work we've had to do to set the ground up, we're thinking, yes, perhaps we, we wish we'd finished lower than Chester. <laughs> and um, so obviously, how did you, because you're the safety officer, is that how you got appointed the COVID officer? Yeah, do you have to have qualifications? Or? Well, well, well... The, the chairman asked me to do it, and um, my full-time job is I'm a health and safety professional. I've been a health and safety professional for 30 years. Ah, uh, just a man then. Well, and even more so, because before I started health and safety, I was 10 years doing microbiological research, so I understand all about COVID, so I'm probably one of the most qualified people to do this role. Wow. So, I mean, just talking about that... You can call me Dr Bunce if you want. Well done. I've got a PhD in... Uh, microbiology so I mean so in terms of of, of all this and we we were expecting it you know the way it's hit everything the way it's just stopped the world almost no, no, of course you weren't I mean no, no, no nobody was expecting a pandemic to happen like this I mean yes there were <coughs> excuse me yes there were contingency plans and 
and the industry I regulate for health and safety. I'm a civil servant. I'm a, a railway inspector. The railway industry, they, they had contingency plans for a flu pandemic, but nobody in that flu pandemic foresaw that we would have lockdown, foresaw that we would have isolation. So there, there was a plan in place, but, you know, this complete, it's, to be honest, this has completely blindsided everybody. Hopefully we're coming out on the other side oh, of it. I so. I mean, you have to look at the stats, don't you? But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We seem, we seem to be getting out of the worst of it. Brilliant. Well, Nigel, uh, thumbs up from me, and, uh, yeah, well done, and uh, well done for getting the game on. And... Uh, Best of luck, I'll let you get back to your duties. Cheers. So two teams are coming out. Normally they'd hear a roar and normally they'd come out together, but say in these new times, if uh, Chester come out to the right and side of the stand and Altingham coming out in front of us, out in the main tunnel. Of course, there's going to be no handshakes. Two captains are stood socially distanced as well. Officials are last out as well. It's interesting, sat right behind the dugout, so you can hear both sets of players acting like cheerleaders almost, and you can hear all the managers as well. We know it's a new thing now in football, it's a drink break. So, two teams just coming over, nil-nil, but uh, really good really good game so far. Alton have had two really good chances free kick just sits onto the bar by Louis Gray and then Danny Mooney with a, with a shot after a loose back pass uh, Danny Ellis had a good uh, header as well, well saved by Tony Thompson, Chester coming back into it after Altman dominated the opening 10 but really entertaining game and it's uh, going to be difficult to call Josh Hancock just scored for Altman out of nothing really, it's about 25 yards from goal and he just uh, drilled it Daisy Cutter into the corner that is half time. Salty one, Chester nil. That goal from Josh Hancock. Good thing about uh, good thing is it could both go down different tunnels, so uh, it won't kick off in a tunnel anyway. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a really entertaining, feisty game as you'd expect. Local derby. It's penalty to Altrincham. They broke away from the corner. Great play by Jordan Hume. He played it into Path of Moon, who's through on goal and. Uh, the irony is it was John Johnson, a former Altrincham player who Chester signed earlier on in the season. He was last man there and he brought down Mooney and he's been shown a straight red card. And there's also a chance for Altrincham to make it 2-0. It's uh, Elliot Durell, a former Chester player and Wrexham player actually, he's going to take this. He's tucked it away, set greater wrong way. It's 2 0. And Altrincham have got one foot in the semi finals. It's 3 0. It's Elliot Durrell again with his second. They've hit Chester on the break and uh, it was one on one with Louis Grain. Didn't look like missing it. Wasn't the most powerful struck shot. It dribbled over the line in the end, but it's 3 0 to Altrincham and they will be heading up to. Booth and Crescent next week to take on York in the National League North playoff semi. Although I will add it's not over yet, but it will take something miraculous now from Chester. So it's 3 1 Chester, we've had one back, just got one back just before the drinks break. George Glendon with a tap in after a mistake at the back by Olsen. Good work by George Waring. 
So seven minutes of stoppage time. Chester had a shout for a penalty, which I don't think it was, but in the aftermath, Anthony Johnson's been red-carded, sent to the dressing room. It's all happening. That's full time. Finish holding three, Chester two. What, a, what an entertaining in, incident-packed game. Uh, Olchkin were cruising at 3-0 up. Chester out of 10 men as well. And uh, Chester fought back in the end, piled the pressure on. It's been... Uh, Hairs going good. Players have been kicking bumps out of each other now. They're all shaking and embracing. It's been uh, been one of those games, and I feel knackered watching it. So I'm here with Anthony Johnson. Uh, lost three two today in the playoff eliminator. We spoke earlier in the week, didn't we? And we said it'd be a, a thrilling game, and so it proved. Yeah, I thought it was a great game. I watched. I've watched so many games. Um, you know, behind closed doors at the Premier League Championship, um, the playoffs in the league above, and the quality or, or the, the the lack of intensity. Um, has been quite poor and then you come here to Division 6 and see a playoff game between two yeah. sides who, who, who've been neck and neck all season and putting a performance like that you know, from both teams it, 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 I thought it was an outstanding game Yeah it was a really um, it was an even sort of first half wasn't it and Louis Graves made two great saves Tony Thompson made a save and then the first goal I couldn't really see it but it kind of just knocked you back a little bit didn't it Yeah it's, it's come from the, the goal to be fair I was going to say it's come from nowhere it's not really because like you said they've had a couple of of, of, of chances that our keepers pulled off um, good saves but um, th- there was nothing really in it he's, he's got and he's very good at it Josh but he's got a shot away keeper's seen it late it's gone under him um, but I thought our reaction to it um, w- w- was very good there was plenty in the game um, we, we started the second half absolutely superbly yeah. like a house on fire and then typically as you're pushing in what's a cup game the counter mm. um, and, I've, and I see one of the most bizarre decisions I've seen in the game yeah because from up here, I mean, I could see John Johnson run across and I thought he's giving him a decision, but then you watch it back and it's a bit soft, isn't it? But when I, when I, when I, thought, I, I initially thought he was offside. I don't know. I can't. I, he I wasn't offside. No, no, OK. And then I saw the second one and I actually thought JJ got in front of him. Mm. It looked to me like JJ made a run and, and, and got in front and he, you know, they just clipped mm. heels together. Um, not right. It just doesn't sit right with me in a big game. And to be, but to be fair, we've gone down to 10 men and we've given a right goal. Yeah. Um, had we been at 11-11, I don't think... We'd obviously been down at 3-0, we'd have had a chance of getting in the game and, and, and perhaps going ahead, but uh, we've done ourselves proud, we've had a right go, we've had 10 days worth of training, uh, we've got lads playing for free, we've got 35, 36-year-old lads in there crying their eyes out, uh, you know, we, we, we're doing something right at the club. Just the other big decision as well, the melee, I mean, Simon Grand, do you think he could have gone or...? Um, I didn't see what he did, yeah. I honestly didn't, and, and <laughs> everyone else said he could have done, yeah. I yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. I saw the one on the other side where, where Max Harrop kicked our lad, mm. no one's brought that one up yet. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I know the Alti down here said he was lucky. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, everyone else saw yeah. the Simon Grand decision, I didn't, mm. but everyone said he could have gone, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And season as a whole then how, how would you assess your season and, and obviously looking ahead now yeah uh, an improvement on last season that's all you can ask for um, and, and next season is a big one because I always believe when you hit your third season um, in as managers you know it's it's one way you've got to be really have an identity of what you're trying to do and your ambitions have got to be be one of those trying to trying to get out of the league but that's how me and Burn work anyway you know it's looking forward really looking forward to next season in a few weeks um, and seeing where it takes us I'm with victorious Oldsman manager Phil Parkinson and Phil. Uh, I was knackered watching it just as a neutral. How, how were you after that? As cool as a cucumber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, never had any doubts, did we? Uh, it was, it was a game where it swung in their favour, didn't it? And we've seen it many times where a team of ten men, if they get a goal, 
they've got nothing to lose, have they? So they threw everything apart from the kitchen sink at us and, and, and nearly did it, didn't they? But they, they didn't quite manage to get over the line. So I think our players have got to take a lot of credit, the fact that we could take such a strong position in the game at 3-0. I mean, we were even considering resting people for next week. We were that comfortable. And then you've got to give Chester great credit as well. They've shown character to come back and epitomised by their management team. That's what they're all about. You can see that. You can feel it from the sidelines. So we knew it would never be over. To write, especially when they got that that first one, we knew it would uh, it would push us then because we've got everything to lose. They've got nothing to yeah. lose. Um, so I was really pleased with the resilience our players showed. Yeah. I just spoke to Anthony Johnson and he said about how good the quality was. That first half was played at such a tempo and it was such an entertaining game, wasn't it? Yeah, I felt so. And I just felt we had we had those players who could execute at their moments. Uh, I felt the chances we created, they weren't from mistakes. They were, they, were, they were chances from open play and that's what we're all about. And I think that game will have done us the world of good now um, to get a competitive game on the belts because we've not had one. We, we weren't even able to get a friendly on because of all the testing rules and regulations. So that's our first game in four months and to score three goals to come through a game where you're under the cosh for probably about 25 minutes yeah. shows uh, well it will stand us in really good stead going into the next game Do you think that's why you're under the cosh at the end a bit because of maybe the lack of fitness uh, in a way no, I just think the game swung in their favour we're all about being in possession and we couldn't regain possession because we probably sat too deep they played I think it was a 3-4-2 in the end and normally well I'm not going to say what we normally do but we would normally do something to counter that and the players obviously were worried about losing the the advantage that we had and, and didn't stick to what we would normally do against that kind of formation which again when we when we don't follow instructions it can have an adverse effect but they had listen the players were fantastic because they had a lot to lose there it's not like you get a second bite of the apple so they had to see it through they did and they deserve all the credit they get couple of key incidents in the game first half there's a melee I mean Simon Grant could have been sent off and then obviously the penalty I mean from where I was I thought it was a penalty straight away but I've seen it back and it, it looks a bit soft doesn't really? it really yeah know, so he's come through the back of him I just think he makes the ref's decision easy yeah. I mean I think Anthony uh, said he'd seen it and he thought it was a penalty as well so um, obviously I've not seen it back but when you when you make contact particularly from the back you make the, uh, the ref's decision very easy but he didn't really have a choice either did he he was the last man and, and when you make that decision you're getting sent off so it's unfortunate for JJ because he's a previous player and I thought he had quite a good game as well to be fair he worked really hard um, but listen he put himself in a position where it was given and he was sent off so it, it benefited us rather than them Semi-final now on to York You're, you've got a good record up at Booth and Crescent haven't you? Yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but a bit like playing chess, we've never been beat by them. Uh, and I think we obviously we lost in the opening game of the season, but since we've been here, we've only lost once to York. So home and away, we've got quite a good record against them. But again, they're a massive club. And I said to the players, you won't get away with the, the sloppiness we showed today. But in the same breath, we've had a competitive game. I know they've had friendlies. They're a full-time team. They're able to work it better than us. Um, but we've prepared as well as we can. We'll prepare again well this week. And if we can hit anywhere near the form we've shown in the past in terms of what we showed there probably for about 60, 70 minutes, then if we can kick on from there, listen, we'll give them a really good game. And as you said, we've, we've, got, we've had a lot of... Uh, good memories from visiting Booth and Crescent nice one best of luck cheers no problem that was it Dickie I mean what a game I was there and I was like I said to uh, Phil Parkinson I was I was tired just watching it because it was funny we mentioned in the National League uh, games about Bournemouth and Halifax maybe starting a bit sluggish but you watched it as well and it started off at a million miles an hour the tempo was unbelievable certainly in that first hour and uh, 
Altrigan looked like they were cruising and then Chester, last 20 minutes, absolutely battered Altrigan. It was a fantastic game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, a tremendous pace to me. I mean, it's a measure of how quickly things were happening that you were having to ask me what was going on because I'd got the benefit of the replays watching on the stream at home, which you hadn't got live. But yeah, it was, a, a you know, probably not a great game um, from a Chester perspective. But yeah, for any neutral that had decided to, to spend their money and watch that today, I think they'd have been entertained. And um, yeah, Altrincham, I feel, deserved it in the end. I, I, I felt that Altrincham might just have a bit too much for Chester. I think my concern with them, mentioned it last week, was uh, a lack of goal scoring with, with Asante having gone. And, and, and Chester have got a quite a, um, a... They've got a very solid core of players, but they've got quite a lot of over 30s. And I did wonder about how their fitness would be after such a long break and you know playing in July weather and everything. Well, I don't think that was too much of an issue, but... Um, I mean, the game all sort of hinged on on the one incident quite early on in the second half, didn't it? Yeah, massive debate. I mean, as you heard me say at the time, I thought it was a penalty and red card. Where I was sat in the main stand, it looked clear, but then you see the replay back and not a lot in it. You kind of downgrade it to very soft, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I do think um, it was a, a bit of a soft penalty. Do I think it was a penalty? Yeah, I think it was, but... Um, uh, I mean, the irony of it involving John Johnston, who was a player who um, he left he left Altrincham, um, I think, in January. He had his, his release clause triggered by um, an offer from Chester to go back and work with his, his former managers there. And I think they were even talking on commentary before the game started about how relieved he would be that his first visit, visit back to Moss Lane wouldn't be with a crowd in there because he might have expected some hostility around that move. Well, you know, the day didn't work out any better for him. It was him that was involved in that incident um, with Dan Mooney, a, a player who ironically played for Chester last season on loan um, from Fleetwood. Um, he was brought down penalty kick awarded they were already a goal to the good from Josh Hancock and yeah Elliot Durrell doesn't miss penalties and put that one away and they were on the back foot you know from then on really 2-0 down uh, went to 3-0 a terrific rally from Chester in the end I have to say I thought I, I thought at 3-0 it could have gone on and the score could have been even more so for it to be 3-2 um, in the end and for them to be pushing the way they were I think I think Credit to them. I think that was perhaps some of the the substitutions that they made um, certainly reaped dividends for them. But yeah, it 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 didn't end the way that that Chester wanted it to. You know, the the fans had done terrifically there to uh, you know pledge money to help the team compete in the playoffs. But it you know it didn't have that fairy tale ending that they were looking for. Yeah, as you said, it was players on both sides who played for the other club, doesn't it? You could tell that a really feisty encounter at times, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There was a, there was a few, um, you know, little niggles in the game. I think, um, you know, tempers flared a little bit. I know um, Anthony Johnson, who, you know, we, you, you spoke to earlier in the week. Well, I mean, sent to the stand, uh, you know, in the last couple of minutes, wasn't he? I think for a. a he had his strap I, think there was... I don't think he was allowed in the stand with his new rules. But yeah, he caught top <laughs> with his head off. It was quite amusing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that 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 was I think uh, over a um, a penalty claim that Chester made late on when they were they were three two down and 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 looking for a leveller and um, yeah it's it's you know clearly it's disappointing for them but I do think Altrincham were it just got that little bit more quality about them um, and and it sets up a really really interesting game with with York 
uh, next week at Bootham Crescent. They've already won twice there this season in similar situations in knockout games. They drew them in the FA Trophy and in the FA Cup. Won both games 1-0. Tom Piers was the scorer in both games. So he'll be looking forward to that one and hoping to get some, some time on the, on the field for that one. But uh, yeah, that one's set up really, really nicely. And, um, you know, York, I wouldn't think Altrincham would be a side they'd be looking forward to playing, knowing that they've, they've oh. been there and beaten them twice. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it'll bring Steve Watson out in a bit of a cold sweat, Dickie? Or... Um... You would hope, you would hope not. I mean, you know, you'd like to think that he would be, he and his team would be, you know, professional enough to to not let a former, you know, uh, results from earlier in the season worry them. You know, this, this is a a new situation that we're in. But you know, if if Altrincham take a one 0 lead next week, you know, what's to say that in their minds they don't start thinking this is this is happening to us again? Quick question from me uh, to Dickie and Luke. You probably one of you know the answer. Um, I don't follow the National League North as closely as you guys. Couldn't believe when I saw Elliot Durrell scoring twice for Altrincham today. Adam will remember this chap. He was one of the best players in the National League a couple of years ago when uh, Macclesfield went up. With the greatest respect to Altrincham, uh, what's he doing playing in the National League North? Well, he, he was without a club for uh, the early part of uh, of this season. He'd left Macclesfield. Um, and I think he was one of the players that might have actually been involved in the legal action against Macclesfield over unpaid wages, which, um, you know, very unfortunate situation. He signed for York. Um, I, I know very well that he signed for York because he popped up and scored the winner or the, or the goal that put, you know, them ahead against my own side, Telford, in January. I mean, he started out at Telford as a 16, 17-year-old. That was written in the stars. He was going to come off the bench and score. But he really didn't play that very much at York. Um, I think they um, ended the deal they had with him in order to bring in Kurt Willoughby on loan from Foyle, I think was was to create that room at the end of January. And again, he found himself without a club and, and Altrincham picked him up then. And um yeah, I mean, for for a, for a team like Altrincham to be able to pick up a player of his quality at that point of the season um, is tremendous. And yeah, he could be all the difference for them. He really could be all the difference for them in this situation. 10 out of 10 for the answer, Dickie. Well done. You know your stuff. The other semi-final, obviously, you guys watched that more than me. It was like the football manager commentary by the end with it on the WhatsApp. I was driving back from the game. Uh, it was a Bratley one, Gateshead one, and... Well, we said Brackley were the bridesmaids last week, Dickie. They didn't even get an invitation to the church this year, did they? No, they didn't. I mean, they, if we think about Brackley, we, we spoke about them having um, tumbled in the playoffs in each of the last two seasons. And in playoff terms, they've actually regressed over each of those. They lost in the final two years ago. It was the semi-final this year. It's the eliminator this year. So, you know, it's it, on that basis it did sort of getting worse for them I, I thought they were my thought is today that they were handicapped by the loss of, of Thierry Ordell in the centre of their defence uh, that meant Glenn Walker had to fill in in the middle of defence alongside Gareth Dean um, he's normally operates as a, a as a left wing back and gets up and down that touchline with a lot of energy Carl Baker played there instead and Carl Baker's a fine player you know he's, he's got a lot of football league experience behind him but it was him that got caught out on um, the penalty, the the one that, that Jordan Preston actually had saved by Danny Lewis in, in, in regular time. And then I think when Gateshead's goal came from a set piece, which I think Ordell would have, I'm not saying he would have dealt with it, but but I think they would have preferred to have him underneath that kind of ball coming in. 
rather than Glenn Walker. Um, I think ultimately Gates had just about edged it, to be perfectly honest. I expected more from Brackley. I thought they, um, I thought Gates had never looked in control of it exactly, but they looked, you know, um, as if they'd got enough to, to see it through and, and take it to a penalty shootout, which they did. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, I caught bits of the game and I saw all the penalties at the end and, and it was a day that poor old Jordan Preston will want to forget because he stepped up and then ballooned a second penalty over the bar but while I was sending you those updates in the WhatsApp group even though they'd gone behind us just fancied Gateshead I don't know why I I just think they I've got this thing that whoever goes behind in a penalty shootout wins it and it happened yet again it happened so many times uh, there were quite a few misses to be fair but I just think and just to bring Adam in on this Gateshead no better story no better motivation no better feeling amongst those players to write something that was dealt a blow that was dealt to them that was not their fault last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always really sad to see sides go out on on unfortunate circumstances, and um, you know, I remember all the shot a few years ago when they went through difficulty, and you think they're going to go, then you see what's happened to Hereford over the past seasons, and now you're seeing what's happening with Gateshead, and you know, Mike's gone in there and done a done a magnificent job, and I always find with you know, I find it with Dagenham. I, I find it with sides that are in a big city with big clubs around them in terms of Sunderland and Newcastle to try and find your identity. And for them to come back on a first season and still be in contention of promotion back at the first time asking, one shows the resilience in the squad, one shows resilience in the, in the, in the sides and, and the manager as well. And um, it is pleasing to see that that. They are there and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can come back because um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good story. As much as they were on the losing side, Brackley did provide one of the moments of the afternoon, I think, with Shane Burns equaliser, almost straight from the kickoff, tap back to him, looks up, sees a goalkeeper off his line and hits it in from a fully 55 yards. If you get a chance to see that anywhere, please do find it because it's a sensational goal considering that you know the the the, the game and, and and what's at stake and, and gate said they now face a another trip down the a1 not quite as far this time but it's kind of down the a1 and left uh, into boston uh potential the last game at york street for boston and uh, another tough game for gateshead yeah it, it's that's going to be a really interesting one it was only speculating after the game's finished this afternoon and we and we did it last weekend about how much of an adv- advantage might have been for the two victors in these eliminators in, in the North and South today to have actually played a competitive game this week whereas, you know, Boston and York have been kept waiting for another week. Um, it, it certainly, over the course of the regular season, Gateshead had two 3-0 wins against Boston, both home and away. So whether that's got any relevance, um, I've, I don't know. We can only wait and see next week. But um, yeah, I know Boston, one of the sides that played Notts County in a warm-up fixture. I think that one finished three all. So um, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some goals in that side. So yeah, that's going to be another really interesting tie. And, and again, can't call it. With Gateshead having done what they've done today, winning at Brackley, who I fancied, I wouldn't you know, write off their chances of getting a result next week at Boston. Yeah, so let's look now at the National League South. Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the, the National League South, again, uh, I think, Rob, you were across this a lot a lot more, weren't you, in, when you were flicking between 
games and Slavi Dartford it was a uh, Scotty Davis versus Nick Arnold we had them on uh, last week and, and both of them started on the bench in the end I don't know whether somebody said on air yeah I must admit I was working in the earlier for the earlier games but I caught glimpses in between uh, deliveries and uh, I was on I was actually on the phone to uh, Tom at one point getting him to check um, the lineups. I said I can't see Scotty or Nick out there, and turns out they were both on the bench. But uh, no, in the end, it was, yeah, <laughs> in the end, it was uh, without doubt a convincing win for the visitors for Dartford, and uh, we had got a bit of a double whammy for the podcast. Uh, we sort of reached out after the game to see if we could get a word with uh, two goal Charlie Sheringham or the manager Steve King, and uh, we ended up with both. Here's my chat with. Charlie Sheringham. I'm joined on the phone now by Charlie Sheringham. And uh, Charlie, today's got to have been one of your better days in football, hasn't it? Two goals and a three-goal win uh, for Dartford and you progressed to the semi-final of the National League South playoffs. Yeah, it was a good day. Um, obviously, great to get the result. That's what we was, that's the, that was the main aim of the day. Um, but obviously, nice to round it off with a couple of goals. Yeah, I mean, I caught those goals on the uh, live stream, which I have to say... You know, if you do speak to some of the other fans, uh, was really, really good quality, crystal clear pitches, great commentary, very balanced commentary as well. Um, and today was one of those days. You always make those runs. You try and appear in the right place at the right time, but it's all about the quality of the ball in, Charlie, isn't it? And uh, and 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 you finished them nicely. Yeah. Um, first half it was a bit of a scrappy game. Um, second half we uh, played some really nice stuff and managed to get on the end of a couple of nice moves. So yeah. And Luke, yeah, the right place, the right time. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that before somewhere in your family, haven't we? <laughs> but um, what I was going to say, Luke, Luke Winadio, someone I remember from his Aldershot days a, a couple of seasons ago, he got the third yeah. and final goal. I missed that one. Talk me through that one. Um, played, sort of like, received the ball left, just out on the left wing, outside the box, cut in, a sort of bit of a trademark goal for him cut it in and struck it in the near post it was a really good goal so um, yeah nice now, nice round off to the day now in terms of uh, the playoffs um, your manager is about as experienced as any I know in the playoffs He's, we call him a bit of a magician Steve King in terms of the game plan today it must have gone almost to perfection yeah I think so obviously if you win 3-0 um, you've done something right haven't you yeah, um, yeah like we said we, we had to compete Slough a really competitive team quite direct in their play uh, we knew it was going to be tough which we competed and sort of dug in first half when they threw everything at us with their long throws and direct goal kicks or goalkeeping um, passes and um, and then sort of our Good play and passing shone through in the second half, and we created a lot of chances. Could have even been more. So, yeah, it was a good. So you got that one competitive win under your belt today, and now the best part of a week to prepare for a trip to uh, Paul Doswell's Haven and Waterlooville. That's right. We play Haven next Saturday, so obviously, hopefully, our the momentum can take us into that game um, and get us another result but it's going to be very tough down there they're top side um, final question um, I guess it was an awful lot of uncertainty throughout the whole pandemic uh, for everybody you know not just in football but in life but um, you've had a, a, a couple of injuries this season you went out to Leatherhead on loan for a bit 
Um, and I think some of the time you are you were at Dartford, they were flying, weren't you? And you couldn't get in the team. So in a way, was the break and a chance to have a proper break and then almost a, a mini pre-season ideal for you to get yourself in the right shape for today? Um, well, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, when Kingy came in, I would, I'd actually just dislocated my shoulder. So by the time I got back fit, the team was flying and was on a hell of a run. Um, so I couldn't really get in the team um, just because they were playing so well. Um, but now there's been a little bit of a break and it's been a kind of a fresh start. So I've been managed to get my place in the team. Hopefully um, that'll continue. Nice one, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us, especially at such a short notice and the very best of luck next week in the semi-final. No worries. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was Charlie Shengham and a chip off the old block. He knows uh, his dad knew where the goal was and so does Charlie. Yeah, he certainly does. I thought he sounded a little bit like his dad as well, but I, I didn't want to be too corny and make too many references to his dad. I think he's done something today that he can be very, very proud of in his own right. Uh, congratulations to him. It's another great story of somebody coming back from injury, somebody coming back from having to be patient and not get in a side. Um, something that uh, Steve King touched on when we caught up with him a little bit later on as well. Joining us on the line is a, another happy manager. It is the one of the National League South Playoff Eliminator winners today, Dartford. And joining us once again, we had him on a few weeks ago, it's Steve King. Hello, Steve. Hello, UK. Yeah, good. I mean, you've got a croaky voice, but you must be absolutely delighted. It must have been worth it. Yeah, no, it was a good, as I say, good performance. Wasn't, I wasn't happy with the first half, if I'm honest. I think it was a terrible first half. Uh, as a game, as a spectacle, if you're looking at it, I didn't think it was great. Um, I think there's a lot of nerves involved. And I think um, we didn't play our normal game. Um, pretty difficult when you're playing against a side that you know really put it on you and long throws in the box and long kicks from the goalkeeper and asks questions of you that way. Then we just sort of said at half time, just you know, relax, calm down, get on the ball, and then we started to play you know a lot better and opened them up a number of times. That 3G pitch at Slough got must help you as well, especially with the football that you want to play. Yeah, but sometimes when it gets humid, it gets sticky and the ball gets stuck under your feet. So we was hope it was raining through the evening and last night I was hoping that it was going to uh, continue to rain. Um, but it stopped and it started to get humid, so it started getting a bit sticky again. In terms of your game plan, I guess, um, as Charlie said to us, um, you won 3-0. You must have got that pretty close today, other than that first half well the first half like I say first half performance they um, Slough didn't have a shot on goal either um, they had one header that flew over the crossbar from a corner um, we didn't really create anything really I, I felt Charlie may have had a penalty uh, I need to look back at that in the first half I think he got taken out um, but yeah to, I think it was Charlie deserved his opportunity uh, um, Charlie deserves this opportunity to come back and has done really well in training and um, played really well at Bournemouth last week and I think he, you know, he's, he, he deserves to start. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's all about getting the right... and that, that, That's where the management side really comes in, isn't it? You, you've got to almost forget what your last 11 was four months ago or whatever it was, Steve, haven't you? It's, it's who looks right now, physically, mentally, who yeah. is going to come up with the goods for me today? 100%. And... You know, I had a chat, little chat with Charlie at the end on her own, and I just, you know, I don't mind sharing bits of that. And as I said, it's been very difficult for him this year because he'd been injured when I, before I came in. And when I came in, the two boys, Darren McQueen and Elliot, remained or were on fire. 
you know, top scorers in the league, the pair of them. So it was very difficult for Charlie to get in. Charlie went out and got some games. Um, you know, and I wasn't afraid to call him back to say, do you want to play in the playoffs? He said, yeah, come back with the right attitude. Brilliant in training, brilliant last weekend. And I thought, bang, there you go. Um, you know, the door's never shut. I feel like I'm fair. That's the way I work. Mm-hmm. Don't have my favourites. And I just felt it was the right moment at the right time. I was going to say that that's that's good in a way because obviously you'll have players who you know and and maybe trust, but there's players who were at the club when you came in, and it's good that you know that even though you you sent him out on loan, that you have given him that chance, and he, he's repaid you big time, hasn't he now? Yeah, and I, and I felt like I felt like he was the only one that could score those goals. Although Macker and um, Elliot are good forwards, this was a different kind of finishes. They were little tap-ins, you know, in the right time, right place at the right time, and you know that. that you know, no, no goal scorers just find them little spaces, them little pockets. Um, and that's exactly what he did. Great stuff, Steve. Um, looking ahead, as we must do already, I know you've only just got this win under your belt. Steve, <laughs> last year you progressed at this stage, but you only had a few days to go again against Woking. This year, are you grateful for having a week to prepare? Yeah, it's good. We've um, we got a few tired bodies out there, to be fair. It's the first 90 minutes they've played in four to five months five months like that so um, I know having done a lot of in-house games they had a friendly uh, against Barnet in between that as well um, but I think I don't know it's, it's, it's going to be on the day again isn't it and it's you now people saying oh you should be better better for it because you've had 90 minutes under your belt I disagree they could be fresher than us yeah. and they are a full-time club we're, we're only part-time yeah um, so I don't think there's going to be I don't think there's going to be um much in it from that point of view because you've had one game extra I, I wouldn't look at it like that and in terms of the manager you're going to come up against uh, a bit like your good self very very experienced at this level and he knows what he's doing just does doesn't he yeah yeah listen we've known each other 20 years so uh, you know we've gone back a long way and you know he took three teams from the west the league all the way to the south I, I took little Lewis all the way from the you know Ryman League to the Conference National he then won the Conference South. I won the Conference South. He had mega FA Cup runs. I had mega FA Cup runs. So this mutual respect totally um, for each other. We're very experienced guys. Um, I've got to say, when I I watched them a number of times this year, and when they beat Dorking at home 6-0, I was actually at the game in the first 60 minutes, obviously, with Dean Brennan and Stuart Maynard, and we said, wow, that, that was like the best football that I'd personally seen in non-league for donkey's years. Yeah. Uh, they were that good. That good. Um, but then, you know, they've been beaten a number of times and they can beat anywhere. Anyone can beat anybody in this division. It's just on the day. Yeah, great stuff. Well, really well done today, Steve. And uh, best of luck in preparations for, for next weekend. And uh, we shall be watching closely. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, and that was Steve King. And it was interesting, Rob, wasn't it? How we said... Uh, you wouldn't say he was out of favour a little bit, but he'd struggled any he, with injuries or whatever. And he sent him out on loan, and he's got his second chance, and he's taken it. And it was interesting that he kind of said only Charlie would have scored those goals, which shows maybe the strength and depth that Dartford have. They've got three different types of striker. Yeah, and how Steve King picks his side. The saying in football uh, is "horses for courses," and uh, Steve King's got that now. He'll look at the opposition. He'll look at where he thinks he can hurt them and what kind of players and what kind of game plan he wants to go with. Um, and I would not rule Dartford out of these playoffs. Yes, they've got mm. to do it the hard way. 
Um, they've got to go away again to Haven and Waterlooville. Um, but with a week to prepare and a fresh set of legs on the back of that victory today, um, I would not wipe Dartford off in that game down at Haven. Yeah, and you know Steve King will have something up his sleeve, won't you? And, and Haven, as I say, the, the onus is all on them. But a lot of people I've spoken to uh, aren't tipping Haven. And it's strange, really. A lot of people are tipping either Darkin, Dartford or Bath. And we'll get on to Bath Darkin in a minute. But like you say, Dartford, they're... Uh, if you've got a little fiver, to maybe sneak a, a little sneaky fiver on him. Then another game then was Bath against Darkin, where Jerry Gone last week's show, of course, and he was quite bullish, confident, but realistic as well against the Darkin side. He's done really well in cup competitions this season. That, that run to the FA Trophy, the quarterfinals, and eventually lost to Filed. I saw them away at Stockport, and they played a really good Stockport County team off the park. And and Rob, they, they've gone and done the business again today, haven't they, Darkin? Yeah, I mean they'll have been definitely better for the break. They'd hit a little bit of uh, a little bit of quicksand, hadn't they, in those last few weeks before the uh, break for the lockdown and uh, the pandemic? But um, they prepared well. They got an early lead through James McShane and uh, the uh, the evergreen, shall we say, Jason Pryor doubled the lead just before half time. So all go into plan for them uh, and some canny management, I think, at half time as well from Mark White. You could see. First of all, in the approach of his players, they came out really up for the second half. And that was probably, you know, on the back of a message, do not think this is over. You know, do not get complacent. Um, and he brought on the ever-reliable Jake Gallagher at halftime as well. And if there was a player that I'd reach for when my team were 2 nil up at halftime to shore up that, you know, to make sure he's the guy. And I watched his performance second half, always in the right positions. The amount of times he headed it, it cleared it, blocked it, um, and and just uh, epitomised really uh, what what Dorkin had to do. They weren't under the cosh by all means. Um, Bath got a goal back from the penalty spot with ten minutes to go. We could have had a grandstand finish. It didn't really happen, uh, and I think everybody at Bath would agree Dorkin deserved winners on the day. And another manager getting sent off, Mark White, sent to the stands late on as well. But a bit more than Anthony Johnson. He's actually celebrating a win and. We hoped to get him on, but he was. Uh, I spoke to him earlier, he was on the bus and he said, uh, sorry, I'm on the bus, I can't do it. But we will get him on to preview the semi-final for next week's pod. And that's going to be at uh, Weymouth, yeah? Yeah, yeah, so they're down right. at Weymouth. And again, Mark Mosley. And, uh, it's, uh, again, it's tough to call Weymouth have exceeded expectations. And it just shows the strength, maybe, the Southern League. Weymouth and Barking both promoted last season, both in the playoff semi-finals. Yeah, I can't call it. Um, obviously, uh, I, I, uh, I've got a huge amount of time for Mark Molesley, someone I've got to know over an awful lot of years and his three spells at Aldershot. And it's been fantastic to see what a job he's done in management at Weymouth as well. So, I, you know, I can only wish him all the best. Um, but I get that feeling. I don't know if you do, boys, about Mark White and Dawkins. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just wondering. I just got this, you know, this feeling that it might be a Dorkin and uh, and Dartford final. Now that mm. would mean both those sides going to uh, away from home to sides that finish second and third and pulling it off. But it's about those guys. They've got something about them. Mark White is so used to success, promotion after promotion, and they're knocking on the door now. Um, it's fantastic for Weymouth that they finished third in their first season, and they'll have a big a big say in this yet, and they might well go and uh, do it themselves. But uh, 
Yeah, we can't predict. We don't know what's going to happen. I've just got a little bit of a gut feeling that the two teams beginning with D might be in the final. We, we can predict. We're just not very good at it, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, at least after these uh, playoffs are over in a couple of weeks' time, the next pod after that, we will finally, for ourselves and the listeners that care, the ones that have been with us over the last couple of years, we'll, we'll top up our prediction points. And however pathetically low they are, uh, it will be a decent competition between the five of us. Although if I have one, I'm getting a trophy uh, done up and scratched out. <laughs> Dickie, I know you, you love your stats. Um, I think you totted up about how it went home and away, didn't you, over the playoffs as well? Uh, yeah, it did. I mean, well, we've had I mean, six, six games this weekend. We've had two home wins and we've had four away wins. And I think, you know, we've only had one guy one game go to a, a penalty shootout as well which is pleasing as well so you know that, that we, we were thinking and you know how is this home advantage going to play out when it's not so much of a home advantage you know when you haven't got your home crowd in there well it's it's not proven to be much of an advantage so far so it'd be interesting to see if that continues through the semi-finals Brill, well thanks for joining us adam Cheers, anytime boys, you know that, anytime you want me, just give me a text. Real, Dickie, Rob, thanks very much. Pleasure as always. Um, enjoy your games next weekend, chaps. I'm going to watch it all from the comfort of my sofa next weekend, but uh, I know you boys uh, are going to hit the road. Yeah, we're going to be somewhere next week, so stay tuned to find out where we are. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on Twitter, at NL Full Dying, there's a follow on there. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and you can listen to it all once again. Uh, it's been a long day. It's a long podcast to put together, so I'm off for a, a lie down. I'll see you all very soon. Yeah.